Yeah. Okay. This is also going to be a little like less formal today, if you haven't noticed already, um, because we, uh, yeah, we're actually going to be switching back and forth a lot with with like technology, and he's going to share, and then I'm going to share like our screen, and so that's going to cause a little difficulty because uh, we're not techie people. Okay. So anyway. But there's a lot of websites and stuff we need to show you guys because you need these tools. So basically today what we're doing is we're going over why and how we need to do dive sessions, okay? Why and how, and then also tools that we're going to use to get into the truth, okay? So today's dive session, we're gonna we're going to we're we're gonna do an, a follow up to this because what we basically determined through our through our fellowship and just talking about stuff, um, there's a need for you guys to be able to to get into stuff on your own. Okay, there's there's a huge need for that, um, but there's equally a need for you to be able to give it to other people. And so this, this session is going to be more on you feeding yourself, okay? And, and uh, if we want to give it like, uh, you know, biblical terms, I guess you, you work the land, okay? There's no more manna falling from the sky anymore. We've crossed the Jordan and we're now in the good land and now you have to work the land if you want to eat. So that's basically what we're getting into. And then we're going to do a follow-up session because Nathan and I have, we've done 26 of these and, and we need a break. Okay. So, so basically what we're going to do is in January, we're going to come back in a, at an undisclosed time. We don't even know before February. And, and then we're going to do a, a session on like, which actually might be more than one session. And what it will do is it will be more how to share this with people. Okay. You can still take things from today and and we're still going to drop some little dimes in there about sharing with people. But the, the whole point is today is about you. Um, OK, so I have my first. Oh, man, I'm like way behind the ball. I've got to share. I've got to share this. I've got to, um, there we go. There it is. OK. Cassette, can you can you see this? Is it yes, is it working? Okay. So the first thing is a quote. We're going to show you guys a quote, and I really like this quote because um, this quote has to do. It's actually from a brother. His name's David Vincent. Okay. And David Vincent spoke this one time at a true school that I was at. Okay. Lisette, can you read this? Sure. Uh, what you think becomes what you speak. What you speak about becomes your habit. What your habit is becomes your character. Your character becomes your destiny. Okay. So this is, this is very important. We wanted to start off today with this. Okay. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'll speak for myself. If I'm not getting into the truth, what ends up happening is, um, and, and that's that's a pretty broad term, getting into the truth. We should probably define that also. But anyway, 
Um, if I'm not getting into something regarding the Bible and God, um, I'm thinking about other things. And basically, if my mind is not being renewed, uh, those conversations, uh, obviously, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. So oftentimes, if I'm not getting into something, I'm not thinking about it. Okay. And so what I end up speaking about is total vanity and oftentimes gossip, and it's a big black dark hole. And every single one of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. And so getting into the truth actually helps us with this, because honestly, if I get into the truth, a lot of times I'm thinking about it because there's parts I, I'm, I still, I'm still asking some questions, you know, like what did that verse mean? What, why, why are these two verses not making sense? You know? So I'm thinking about that. Then what I end up doing is I end up going to someone like Nathaniel or my wife or Nathan Bahanda's next door on the other side of the wall. Uh, he's my next door neighbor. And, and what we do is I, I speak about it. I start talking about that thing, you know, and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this first? What do you think about that? Okay. This ends up becoming a habit of yours, just like gossiping does. Okay. Just like whatever. It also ends up becoming your character and then your character becomes your destiny in life. Okay. So this is a progression that happens all, all at the very beginning is thinking, what are you thinking about? Because whatever you're thinking about will become your destiny over time. Okay. So this, this should be a salvation to us. We need to get into the truth so that, so that our destiny will go into the true one, which is God himself. Right. So at this point, I'm already, I'm already handing, I'm done. I'm done for today. No, I'm handing it off to Nathaniel and Nathaniel is going to going to show us uh, an example of this or yeah. something. <clears throat> okay. So, I mean, basically you, we are what we eat and um, you know, uh, I, I have a love hate relationship with, with politics. Okay, because every time the political season comes around, because of my past um, educational background, part of me is really interested. But then because I'm really interested, I end up just taking in way too much. And, and then my, my, my wife and others around me suffer because that's what I talk about. You know, I, you know that, that becomes my conversation. Um, but when uh, back in 2014, I started to taste something that I never knew was possible. And uh, basically I was with a group of others in a, it was in, I was in uh, Boston and we were in a Bible school there. And uh, we would start to, um, we were getting into the book of Ephesians. And I had this experience one morning, I woke up and I don't know about you, but this nor was, is not, was not normally my first thought in the morning, but literally my first thought, I, was wait, I woke up in the morning and I was just considering about the threefold 
blessing of the triune God in Ephesians chapter one. That's really normal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. I, I was just amazed because I didn't think, I didn't think I could do that. Like, that's just not the kind of person I was. I didn't, you know, every morning I'd wake up and I'd have to fight to find the Lord. But, but suddenly I woke up and it's like, wow, the blessing, what does that word blessing mean? Oh, it's not, it's not just, not just God giving me good things. There's so much more there. There's, it's, it's actually the dispensing of the triune God. And you see the father accomplishing and or the, the father planning and the son accomplishing and the spirit executing. Anyway, it was all this just running through my mind and it was so pleasant. Normally that kind of stuff doesn't run through my mind, but this, it did. And so I began to taste something and I realized, okay, actually it's not a theory uh the truth can actually really become a part of our living and we can actually it can actually be something that you think about that you speak about and i'm not going to sit here and pretend that that that's what i think about and speak about all day long absolutely not I, i have a long way to go but because of that taste um that's where I'm, that's where I, I want to be headed. And, and, and I think actually all of us want to head in that direction. Um, because the more that we do, um, it just affects people around us. It affects everybody we, we have relationships with, uh, the more that we get into the truth. So, um, I mean, and, and so if you want to really make it very simple, we are what we eat. So if I eat politics, if I eat entertainment, that is what I will communicate. That is what I will, literally, that is what I will dispense into other people. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm in the truth, then that is what I will dispense. And we need to realize that truth is the container of life. So we may think, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna, you know, enjoy the Lord and I'm just gonna I'm just going to flow out what I enjoyed to others. Yeah, that's, that's, yes, absolutely. But you, you, we don't enjoy Christ in a kind of vague way. It's in the, the truth is the container of the life we enjoy. So actually the extent to which we uh, have revelation concerning Christ is the extent to which we can experience him. If I don't know that he is all-inclusive, if I don't know that he is the preeminent one, I won't experience him in that way. So, and actually there's a principle, and that is that our revelation of Christ always goes beyond our experience, always. So we have to pursue to know him first experiential uh in by revelation so that what we know by revelation eventually becomes our experience anyway at this point we're going to launch our first poll okay oh yeah Yeah. we're going to launch our first poll we need 100 percent participation okay so here we go what's the first poll 
Mm -hmm. The name of this poll is Constitution. And so there are two questions. We need to be constituted with the truth so that we can, and then fill in the blank. And there's different options there. And then the second question is, who needs to be constituted with the truth? Okay, so we got to we got to for the recording because the recording doesn't have a poll. Bro. Okay, so we have to read. We have to read. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so question one: We need to be constituted with the truth so that we can. Uh, and you're gonna select just select the answer you believe is most correct, so that we can be a good Christian, or give food to others, know more and more what is in the Bible, impress those around us, grow in the divine life. Okay. I think impress those around us probably is should get more votes than it is, but nobody's willing to admit it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. And then the second one is who needs to be constituted with the truth? Brothers, mm -hmm. sisters, everyone depends on your function in the body of Christ. Okay. <laughs> those are the four four options. <laughs> I don't think anybody realizes how much fun we had making the polls. Okay, so oh, at this point you're you're still you're still going. Yeah, keep going, bro. We're okay. gonna hit some verses, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're gonna hit some verses. Um, I'm just looking at the polls at the at the results as they're coming in. Um. Okay. I'm so glad it says everyone just took a resounding, a resounding. Uh, okay, so uh, the answer to question two, I'm just, yes, we're so happy that 99% of you said everyone. 99%? 99% said everyone. Okay, so just so we're clear, everyone needs to be constituted with the truth. Everyone. Um, it doesn't depend on your function in the body of Christ, regardless of your function. Mm -hmm. We need to be constituted with the truth. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, not just brothers. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad nobody said brothers. Very good. Nobody said brothers or sisters. So that, that was good. Okay. 99%. Very good. Uh, and then, okay, now this is interesting. So yeah. uh, for the first question, uh, nobody said to be a good Christian. Great. Um, we've had a few say no more and more what is in the Bible. And nobody said impress those around us. We've had 64% say grow in the divine life. So we need to be constituted with the truth so that we can grow in the divine life. And we've had about 35% say give food to others. Okay. So uh, growing the divine life is not wrong. But I'm not sure we would say it is the most right. We could say that. Okay. Um, it's definitely a big help to our growth in life. But the 35% of you who said give food to others, I think we would have to agree with you. Amen. Um, that doesn't mean that being constituted with the truth doesn't help our growth in life. And our growth in life is incredibly important 
actually in order to be able to give food to others. So it's very much related, but we'd like to bring you to Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 and 46. And uh, let's see, Aaron, could you read that for us, um, 45 and 46? Sure. Who then is the faithful and prudent slave whom the master has set over his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Yeah, I really appreciate this because, um, first of all, it, the relationship that it depicts between us and the, and the Lord is he is our master. And uh, we, we are serving uh, those in his household. And the way that we serve uh, is by giving food. And um, I just make a few points here. One is that um, giving food, as I, I think one thing I've been really touched with uh, is that giving food is not me taking this book here and handing it to you. That's, that's, that's like, I just take this book and say, here, have some food. I mean, it's, it's better than nothing. Okay. And, but, but really what needs to happen is I need to get into this book. I need to allow what is in this book to impact me. And then I speak based on what has impacted me based on what has been wrought into me. I then speak to someone else. Mm -hmm. So food implies, I mean, it's, it's been processed through through someone and um it also food is not just raw goods it's been cooked it's been it's it's like you know i <clears throat> uh if i go and visit trevor and i'm like hey you know i i just i just brought some stuff for you just be and i hand him a bunch of raw material a bunch of raw food and i say here this is you know just enjoy you know and he looks at all that stuff and he realizes i'm gonna have to cook this mm. and not only that but you know i went to a chinese grocery store to buy all the food and oh. so he has no idea how to cook that stuff that's a problem my wife does he doesn't know how to cook how to cook it so yeah. I bring them all this stuff and how, how am I, you know, it's, it's not very helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes um, we may be under the impression and I've been under this impression before that, you know, it's just, I'm just handing, just giving this to you, you know, I'm just, here you go. But um, we have to consider the people that we're with. We have to consider who it is that we're caring for. And what kind of food do they need? And not only that, so it's not only what kind of food do they need, how do we prepare the food, but it's also at the proper time. Yeah. So not, not every dish is appropriate at the proper time. So that means that implies we really have to get to know the people that we're caring for, mm -hmm. right? Now, obviously when we do these dive sessions, we have no idea what's going on 
you know, with everybody on the call. But that's not the, you know, this is like a, a that, that's kind of a larger thing. And really our burden is just that uh, we would all, all, all kind of learn uh, together uh, how to be with people who are around us. It's not that we would all like suddenly do big dive sessions on Zoom. That was never our, our, our burden even when we started these things. Um, when we started them, I mean, we thought we might get, I don't know, 10 people and we were just gonna, you know, get into the word together. Um, it it kind of developed into something that, that we never expected, but our burden has remained unchanged. And that is, it's not about showing you how to have a big dive session on Zoom. It's more, how can we learn together how to minister how to prepare food and give food to people around us, because that's actually the hardest part. You know, I can sit up here and talk and I don't have to really be super concerned about what everybody on this call is going through. But if I go and visit Aaron and we're having fellowship together face to face, then he's going to be concerned about what's happening with me. And I'm going to be concerned about with what's happening with him right? It's, that's, that's just gonna, it's very different. And so our, our concern and burden is more for, you know, one-on-one, two-on-one kind of settings. Um, yeah, it's, it's just unrealistic to expect that we would do stuff like this on Zoom all the time. For the most part, the interactions that we're going to have are going to be intimate one-on-one and in, in, in small group settings. So anyway, food that is processed and prepared and cooked and at the proper time. Um, and actually, this is very much related to the Lord's return, because when the Lord returns, he will reward those servants of his, those slaves of his who are who are doing this, who are engaged in this in this kind of living. Um, OK, so I think. So that's why we need to be constituted with the truth. Otherwise, we have no food. The whole point of being constituted with the truth is so that we can give food to people. Because eventually, and there's, I, I don't have the exact reference, I can pull it up later. But one of the characteristics of uh, the householder in Matthew is that he can pull out of, out of his uh, store, out of his treasures, he can pull out things new and old. So out of our constitution, over time, we, we see things and they become a store for us. And so then I'm with somebody and I can just, I just pull that out because it's mine. I, I bought it. I paid for it. It's mine. And I realize this is what this person needs. So I can just give them that. But other times, you know, I don't know what the person needs and I'm, we're opening to the Lord and, and then the Lord may speak something. So I may give them something new and fresh. You see the point. Uh, constitution with the truth is critical in order to be able to give food at the proper time. So uh, Trevor is going to take us to another verse. 
Well, yeah, I actually, just to add, I, I want to jump on this for a second, uh, giving food at the proper time. You know, if I just hand somebody a book, how are you so sure that that's what they need at that proper time? Um, some of, some of the stuff in that book, uh, because that book doesn't know that person. And so, um, the best, the best way, and we're not perfect either, but the best way to, to know what the person needs is, is to feed them. And so this is, this is interesting. Uh, Cassette, I'm going to ask you a question. Can you, can you tell me what premature knowledge is? I would say it's when like you tell someone like something, a, a tidbit of knowledge that they're maybe not ready to receive yet because they either they don't have like adequate experience or maybe they can't see it for themselves. Um, it's kind of like it's above their heads and it kind of would just fly over. Okay, can you give me an example of premature knowledge? Um, like you, you, um, like if you are meeting with a new believer, like they just received the Lord and then you mm -hmm. try to go into like a really deep truth, like, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is a good example, but maybe like the, like God's, um, I don't know, <laughs> like something about God's economy, like, like telling someone like God's economy using all these words that they don't know. And then just okay. being like, I don't know. <laughs> no, that this is a hard, this is a hard question. I'm sorry to, to, to do okay. that to you, but basically, um, I, I, I want to completely readjust everyone's concept of what premature knowledge is. Okay. And, and what it, what it is, it is not a topic. Premature knowledge is not a topic. Okay. I, I had, I, I needed this adjusted in me years ago. I was in Bible school. I went to Tom Getz. I asked Tom, Tom, what's, what's premature knowledge? How would you define it? I, in my brain, it was all about topics. I had a list of about five, six topics that were just no-goes with new people. Just, no, can't talk about this because that's premature knowledge, okay? And Tom, Tom actually told me that is not the case. You should be able to break down anything in any food form to any person. Okay. I can talk about outer darkness to a new believer. Okay. Why? You know, the book of Matthew was the first book written in the New Testament. And actually the Jews, the first thing they got was the kingdom and outer darkness. Okay. They found out about the kingdom before they found out about God's economy. Okay. So, so you can't, you cannot base it on a topic. I can't talk about this. Okay. In the same way, it, premature knowledge is really like, how to me, it's how deep you go into it. Okay. I can do a flyby with, with a new believer and just say, yeah, you know, like believers can be punished. You know, and, and, and just very, very briefly kind of go through some stuff. I don't, I'm not talking to some theologian that went to seminary 
and then we like dig into it and go through every single verse and I don't need to do that okay because if I did that I would kill that new person I would completely just obliterate them okay and so so that premature knowledge is basically if I take my daughter in the other room and I start trying to to shove like prime rib down her throat in in human in, in adult size pieces okay but what if I take the prime rib and I like put it in a blender? This sounds disgusting. But what if I what if I put it in a blender and I blend it up? You know, maybe I add some like other stuff to make it easier to get down. You know, and then I gave it to her in that way. Okay, it's still it's still prime rib. You get know what I'm saying? So so the thing is, we have to we as believers we have to develop the skill of breaking down any topic to any person. Okay. And it's a skill and you're going to mess up a lot. We'll get into that later. You're going to mess up a lot. Okay. I've messed up a ton. I've come in guns blazing. Oh, let's talk about heaven. And then I just like, and I just like start firing away all the verses, you know, it's just, that's not cool. Okay. So this is, this is the next verse. What we're talking about now is kind of more for the January session. But this is, this is the end goal, and that is to be able to, to uh, give it to other people, okay? But I think a lot of, a lot of saints, what they, think, what they think is a lot of believers think it's topical. I'm not going to share that topic because that is, that's premature knowledge, and that's totally wrong, okay? So this is, can, uh, Cassette, can you read, this is first, uh, this is Colossians 1, 24 and 25. Sure, yeah. I now rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf and fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God, which was given to me for you to complete the word of God. Okay, this, this verse is incredible. We've gone over it in past dive sessions, especially verse 24. It's one of my faves. Um, I like it because it gave purpose to my life. Okay. I was told growing up that there is, there is, God has no purpose. I was told that God has no need. You're just supposed to receive from him and that's it. Okay. Um, this, this verse shows that the afflictions of Christ are lacking. Uh, we've gone into this before. This is not the redemption aspect. You have no part in that. But in this verse, it shows you that we need to build the body of Christ. Our, our afflictions are for the building up of the church, which is the body of Christ. Okay. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God, which was, which, which was what cassette? Why was it given to me? For you. Well, for us. Yeah. It's given to me for you. It's not given to me for me. The whole purpose of you being a steward is that it's given to you for you. For, for, well, it's given to me for you. So this is the thing. If you get on an airplane right now, cassette, and you fly out of Florida, and you fly over to Germany where I am, and there's a steward on the plane, and they just say, oh, man, we got all this food in the back, and it's just for us, okay? You're not going to be happy about that. You're not going to be happy about that, Okay. Because that food was put on the plane, not for the stewards. It was put on the plane for all the passengers, okay? 
So our job is to be a channel. A channel is something that some, some object or something flows through to go somewhere else. Okay. So we're channels. I'm not, I'm not like, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a vessel, so I'm supposed to be filled, but honestly, the best vessel in this case is a broken vessel. You know what I'm saying? So, so what if, what if the bottom is broken, that broken vessel becomes a channel. Okay. And so it flows in and flows out. Okay. So this is kind of, this is, we wanted to hit these things before we started getting into the tools. Eventually, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it off to Nathaniel here, but eventually what we're going to do today is we decided we were going to focus on one aspect of the Bible and show you how you can use the tools to dive into that. So this is kind of a teaser, but eventually we're going to get to diving into Genesis 2. We picked Genesis 2 because it's an easy example, Okay. So eventually we're going to dive into Genesis 2 and we're going to jump all around using cross-references, footnotes, websites, apps, everything. Okay, Nathaniel. Yeah. Um, so we, we need to be constituted with the truth so that we can give food at the proper time. And the principle, I mean, in God's entire purpose related to man is he gives to us so we can give to others. Um, and so we study the truth and we need to be constituted with the truth for the building up of the body of Christ. That's, that's why we do it because the body of Christ needs to be built up. The church is the pillar and base of the truth. How are we going, how is the church going to be built up if we're not constituted with the truth and if we don't speak what we've been constituted with into others. So um, we need to see in every verse, every portion of the word that we get into, every portion of ministry that we need to see not only the truth and not only the life, but even we need to consider, we need to be able to see how can we build the truth how can we build the church with what is here? Um, because this is God's purpose is that the body of Christ would be built up. And so you can, you find this thrust in the uh, very much in the scriptures. So uh, there's a little quote that has been a big help to me. The truth is for my service. And my service is by the truth. So actually, in our uh, serving God's people, I, I'm not saying this is like, you know, with, you know, it doesn't matter what your station in life or what your position is or whatever. You know, you can be a housewife, you can be a student, you can be retired, you can be working 70 80 hours a week it doesn't matter um this is you know we all still serve the lord and so in our service if we're not serving with the truth we're serving with something yeah and so that means we're going to be serving people something else besides the truth mm -hmm. maybe it's our our thoughts maybe it's our opinions if we don't have the truth though we're going to be building 
with something. And so it's much better that we have the truth so we can build, build with, build with the truth. Okay. Um, I'll just give you a really, this example was so helpful to me. Can we go really quick to Ephesians 5? Because here you can see how Paul, sometimes we may think that the truth isn't super practical in shepherding people, but this example was so helpful to me to see how Paul, who actually wasn't married, but this is how he shepherded husbands and wives. Um, he said, right, verse 25, husbands, actually, let's see, um, Aaron, could you read this for us? 25 through 27. Sure. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing of the water in the word, that he might present the church to himself glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that she would be holy and without blemish. Yeah. All right. So I think probably a lot of us are familiar with the first verse in the context of husbands and wives, right? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So you might see that and realize, wow, the kind of love that is required of a husband is, is not any kind of natural love, um, but it's actually Christ himself wrought into us because otherwise there's no way to love your, love your wife in that way. Okay. But um, how many of us have ever applied verse 26 to the relationship between husbands and wives? That he might sanctify her. So in my speaking with my wife, do I sanctify her? In my conduct with her, do I sanctify her? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm melting inwardly. Um, the point is, uh, Paul, on the one hand, he's speaking about Christ in the church, and we actually see Christ's full ministry here. In verse 25, you have Christ in the stage of his, of his incarnation. And in verse 26, you have him in the stage of his inclusion as the life-giving spirit, right, to sanctify the church cleansing her by the washing of the water and the word. And ultimately in verse 27, you have Christ in the stage of his intensification where the church is presented to himself glorious. But have we ever considered these verses in light of our, you know, I'm guessing speaking to husbands in our relationship with our wives, you know, do I, do I sanctify my wife with my speech and my conduct? Do I have the view that when I meet the Lord, I will be presenting my wife to him? That means my responsibility for shepherding my wife is lifelong. Actually, if I don't shepherd my wife, uh, I'm not sure who else I can really shepherd, right? I might actually be able to take care of other people but the Lord will be looking to me of how am I shepherding my wife, right? To the point presenting to the Lord, glorious, okay? So you just, you know, you just consider Paul, he's not, 
you know, this truth is so high, but then he applies it to the most intimate and even, you know, widespread of human relationships. So you just realize there's no problem in bringing the truth to where we are. And so Paul, he was in this really high point where he's speaking about the full ministry of Christ, but then he brings it right down to husbands and wives. So it's, it's, um, it's something that, uh, uh, it's not a, it's not a, a waste of time to get into the truth. It's not a waste of time to know the truth. Uh, actually, it's just a question of learning how to cook it. If we learn how to cook the truth, then we can take anything and apply it to the people that we're with. Um, there's no such thing as the truth being too high. It's just a question of learning how to cook it. Amen. so that people can 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 understand what we mean and they can be nourished by it um and then just two final points and that is that our study of the truth really um and our being constituted with the truth should be with the view that we want to bring those around us into their organic function we are all members of the body of christ and so my getting into the truth and being constituted with the truth is not just for me to become, you know, some person who knows a lot about the truth, but it's actually so that I can minister Christ to others and bring them into their organic function. And that's actually practically how our being constituted with the truth is for the building up of the body of Christ. So this is a lifestyle choice. It's about a lifestyle of being in the truth, being constituted, constituted with the truth, of speaking the truth uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so we have another poll. Um, and thank you to all of you who, who responded to the first one. So let's launch the second poll. Okay. And so the question is, what matters most in our study of the truth? And so this is multiple choice. You can select more than one option. Uh, and the choices are to be consistent and actually do it. Uh, what we look for when we come to the Bible. So what matters most in our study of truth? What we look for when we come to the Bible or being motivated to study um, our character, our likes and dislikes, our prejudices, and, and our biases. Oh, this is very interesting. You know, when I was in college, I was about to get married, and a brother, I went to a brother about Ephesians 5.25, and I told him, it's impossible for me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That is impossible. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, as a lamb led to slaughter, he did not open his mouth. To try to do that without the Lord in the midst of an argument with your wife. Don't open your mouth. 
I was like, oh my goodness. He goes, that's how you love your wife. Don't open your mouth. I was like, oh, this guy talking about practical. That was, that was very, that was maybe the best piece of advice I ever got in my life. Okay. So I always think about that when somebody brings that verse up. Where are we at in this poll, bro? Okay. So uh, we have... Uh, the majority of people have selected the first option, which is to be consistent and actually do it. That matters definitely in our study of the truth. Uh, we have 52% who have said what we look for when we come to the Bible. And then we have uh, 32% who have said being motivated to study. So actually being motivated to do it is important. And then uh, we have some who've said, we have 24%, about a fourth who've said our character, our likes and dislikes, our prejudices, our, our biases. Okay. So can we go to 2 Timothy 2.15? And if you think that, you know, I don't know, for me, this verse is like, it's very, it's very helpful, but it's also very sobering. Um, let's see, Cosette, can you read it for us? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, an unashamed workman, cutting straight the word of the truth. Mm. Okay, so this is really something, you know, it actually, in this verse, it has the sense of kind of being a carpenter. And, and you know, uh, someone who's a good carpenter I'm not a good carpenter, but somebody who's a good carpenter, they, you know, they have to be very precise in their, in their measurement, you know, and so it's, you know, you can't, you can't be off because otherwise you, your pieces aren't going to fit together. I mean, you can't just, you know, oh, I think this will work or this will work. You have to be very, very precise in your, even in your cutting of wood when you put stuff together, otherwise your pieces aren't gonna fit and what you're trying to create isn't going to come to fruition. So uh, when it comes to the word, we have to cut straight. That means at least in, in, it means a number of things, but one thing in particular is that uh, we can't, it, okay, so it, it has the implication that, um, when we come to the word, we're going to cut it one way or another. And how we cut it matters. Because if I cut it according to what I'm looking for, according to my disposition, according to um, some biases that I have, then uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not, that's not cutting it straight. I'm, I'm going to then present something to someone else and it's not actually going to be the unadulterated word of God. I'm going to have cut it unevenly. And so this implies that when we come to the word, who we are and what we are is very important. And the same thing applies when we come to 
when we come to the ministry, you know, because if you just are searching for things that you like or searching for something that matches what you think is right, then you, then, then you will find it. No problem. You'll definitely find it. And then you'll present it. But the question you have to consider is, am I cutting straight the word of the truth? Or am I applying my person? Am I applying my uneven, my biased, my prejudiced person to the word? And so then what happens is that the word or the ministry then passes through a filter, which is my being. And it reaches somebody else uneven. It doesn't reach. I'm not presenting to them the whole counsel of God. I'm not cutting straight the word of the truth. And what they get is, yeah, okay, they get the word, they get the ministry, but, but they may get it through a filter. And they may not actually get what they need. Or they may just get what what they may just get what I want them to get and maybe not what the Lord wants them to get. Yeah. So this is, it's actually really a really big point. And I realized when I was getting into the truth, one time a, a brother was giving a summary of a portion in Ephesians, and then he encouraged us to get into it. And he made this comment, you know, you can find this line that runs through the book of Ephesians. It's the line of peace. And that wasn't the central point of what we were talking about. But I heard that and it just intrigued me because dispositionally, I love looking at things like that. And I love connecting things and putting it all together. And it's, I just, I just love it. <laughs> and so I jumped into that and I got all into it and eventually that's what I ended up speaking on but I realized later on actually much later on I realized okay what I spoke on it wasn't incorrect but it wasn't the central point and because I cared so much about it I presented it as if it was the central point and so one big, 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 I can't emphasize this enough, one big, 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 big help in uh, being saved from ourselves when we're getting into the word is by getting into the word with others. Getting into the word. So there's a definitely a point where we, it matters that we, that we, you know, we, we have to learn how to feed ourselves and to get into the word by ourselves. But particularly before you share something with others, I find it really helpful. Maybe I'll bounce something off my wife. Um, or I, you know, like even as we're, as we prepare, as we prepare for the dive sessions, we're constantly fellowshipping with each other, you know, and bringing up all these things. I can't tell you how many times I've been saved because according to my own dispositional tendency, I'm just, I'm going over here and then Trevor or Nathan or Guillaume, they just, they just pull me back. They pull me back to the central point. What are we really speaking about? What is, what is the central point of, of this particular portion in the word? What, 
what it, you know, how did, how does this relate to God's eternal purpose? Yeah, that was, this might be a cool little rabbit hole that I can go down into, but uh, is this really uh, crucial? Is this really central? And so by being, by studying the truth and getting into the truth with others, um, actually it's a huge salvation. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else on this, Trevor, before we go on to the next point? No, I, yeah, we just put whatever glasses on we want. So if I have my love glasses, that's what I put on, and I start looking for love. We, all, all Christians do this. We're, we're kind of guilty of this because it's our disposition. So, yeah, we need, we need to be balanced so that we can actually uh, receive what the Lord is speaking because he's the most balanced person. Yeah. So, totally. Yeah, I, I have I have students that can't stand topics like like spiritual warfare or warfare at all, because the age that we live in is love, 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 and so warfare is not love, and that's not really God. So, um, yeah, we just we just need to be balanced. That's all. Yeah. So that's that's what we come to when we go to the Word. Um, and then we'll go to one other verse. Um, before I hand over to Trevor, and that's Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. We're spending a lot of time on this, but I think you you'll yeah you'll see why. Uh, yes, uh, Aaron, could you read that for us? Twenty nine eighteen, and just read the first part. Yeah. Okay. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Perfect. So actually, um, our view, our vision, our orientation, whatever you want to call it, it matters when we come to the word. So if my view of the Bible is that it's an ethical or moral book, that is what it will be to me. If my view of the Bible is that it's a spiritual book, that's what it will be to me. If my view of the Bible is that uh, it speaks... Um, about God's eternal purpose and how he fulfills his purpose, then that's the kind of book it will be to me. Yeah. So our view, it's like Trevor was saying earlier, our glasses matter. What kind of glasses do we have on when we look at it? So the kind of Bible we have depends on the kind of person we are and the kind of glasses we put on when we come to the word will determine what we get out of it. Right. So that, again, um, really uh, being with others as we dive into the word is very, very helpful. We get saved from a lot. Uh, we get saved from a lot of grief. Uh, I'll just tell you a really quick story that maybe will help to illustrate this. Um, you know, some missionaries went to a kind of deserted place to preach the gospel to some, I think of some island natives. And they showed them a movie. And I think the movie was about the Lord. Um, and so they showed them this movie. And then after they finished, they asked them, what do you think? What, what was the movie about? And uh, the missionaries, they said, um, chicken, or no, 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 the Islanders, they said, chickens. It's about chickens. And the missionaries were like, how, how could they get that? How did the how did the movie? 
And they went back and looked at the movie and apparently in almost every scene there were chickens. So the thing is for the Islanders, that was their orientation. They just wanted, they liked, they knew about chickens. So they see this thing and it's like, well, this movie must be about, about chickens, right? But if the missionaries had told them, hey, pay attention, pay attention to this guy who's in the movie, they might've gotten a little bit more. But here, that's the point. The point is, is that, you know, what we know and what we care about matters when we come to the word. You know, if our orientation is, 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 is something other than God's eternal purpose and the way he carries it out, then that will impact how we, how we look at the Bible. Okay. So, um, Trevor. Yeah. You're up. Okay. So we're going to start getting into this and this is something that I oftentimes share with, uh, especially especially christians that that grew up in christianity and um that's my background um i had been to bible school and uh down in down in australia and basically basically i came to the bible and man i just couldn't you know as as a believer you're told that you're supposed to memorize verses and and i just couldn't do it I mean, like, I couldn't remember any verse from anywhere. I would kind of remember one for a little while. And, and then actually what, what ended up happening was uh, when, I, when I met some of the, some of the brothers in Austin, um, you know, they were just going to different books that I had never read before, like Revelation. You know, that's like the no-fly zone book. And, and then I realized years later, years later, I don't know, I had this skill when I was a kid that probably because I played Madden football so much on my, you know, on my game system, but I had this skill. I could remember every single player on every team from every school, where they were drafted, what their number was. I mean, everything. Okay. And the reason I could do that is because contextually, I knew where that information, my brain, I'm going to talk about how your brain works, okay? My brain has the context of where to put that information, okay? Instead, the reason you can't remember Bible verses, if you feel that way, I don't know if you do, but one of the reasons you can't is there's no context for where that verse or that information is supposed to go in your brain. Okay. And I like, I like to share this with new people a lot because this was, this was my experience. If I read you a couple lines in, in Romeo and Juliet example. Okay. But I didn't tell you it was Romeo and Juliet and you had no idea what the story was about. And then I told you to remember that you wouldn't be able to, okay. You wouldn't be able to remember the lines because your brain needs context. Okay. It has to stick it somewhere in the hard drive. 
And so this is, this is honestly what I, what I like to share with people because what ended up happening is after I started seeing um, what we like to call lines through the Bible, okay? After I started seeing these themes and these lines in the Bible, um, I'll give you, I'm going to show you guys something here. Pasette. Okay, so here we go. We've got Genesis and Revelation. Okay, it is impossible to see God's internal purpose outside of these books. Okay, because we need the first two verses and the last two verses of the Bible. A true line through the Bible. You know, like Nathaniel said earlier, there was a line in Ephesians. Well, that's a line in Ephesians, but a line through the Bible has to be somewhere in Genesis and it has to be somewhere in Revelation. Okay. There are five lines that we're going to talk about. There are five lines and this will help you massively if you do this. Okay. There's five topics. These are lines that start in, in Genesis one and two and end in Revelation 21 and 22. We've done a few of them on the dive sessions, especially at the beginning, okay? These lines, what they are is they're like, it's like you're hanging clothes, okay? So, you know, in the United States, we just have dryers, but in a lot of countries, they're still hanging clothes, okay? And this is the clothesline outside, okay? I've got to put that verse somewhere on this clothesline, Okay, and this is for my brain, because when I start to get through, get into a topic, once I see this topic, such as the divine romance, and it's running from Genesis to Revelation, I can then read a lot of verses in the Bible, and I can hook that and put that in the archive of the divine romance in the same way I used to do with Madden football with all the players. Okay, I don't know any of them anymore. I don't know any of them anymore, but you know what I do know? I know Bible verses now. Amen. It's not, it's not because it's not because I, I I'm like amazing or anything. I could not remember any verse before that because you're giving me a random verse. I have no context of whatsoever. And I have nowhere for my brain to remember that. And so every single one of these verses can go on these different lines through the Bible. And this is what I like to encourage uh, a lot of the students that I come in contact with. You got to learn these five lines. Okay. Not only will these five lines dictate your entire life. Okay. Not only can they give you a vision if you really see it, but when you read the Bible, you can pretty much hang almost any verse in the context of one of these five lines. Okay, they're the major themes running through the Bible. Okay, what does that mean? That means that if you actually learn these five lines and eventually when you dive into them yourself, then you can give them to somebody else and you can run through these five lines. Okay, Cassette, how many lines through the Bible do you think there are? Lines through the Bible? You didn't you just say five? Well, there's five main ones that I want everybody to learn, okay? It would really help you a lot. But, but you know, actually, the, the brother who used to take care of me in Austin, 
we used to, we used to try and find more, you know, actually witness Lee has a book and it's called the 10 lines in the Bible. Oh, I don't know if you guys know about this book, but it's pretty awesome. And so you, you can start with those. Okay. Some of the lines that I'm talking about are in that book. Okay. But this essentially what we ended up doing, what the entire time I was in university, okay, is we tried to find as many lines as possible. And, and I'm going to tell you, this helped me massively in getting constituted with the word massively. Okay. Would you like to know what the five are? Is that great? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Not only am I going to tell you what the five are, but on top of that, I'm going to show you all the lines that we came up with, and I'm going to encourage you guys to find even more. Now, what you have to do is you have to connect something in Revelation to something in Genesis, and then you piece together all the verses all, all the way to the two books. Okay, so are you ready? What's your guess? How many lines do you think we found? 52. Oh, my gosh. Well, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> no. But we, we did find 38. Okay. That's close. And then the, we can just fill in the, uh, the lack. Right, right. So that's, I want you guys to get to 52 by, by tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I have a final well, today, bro. Can you, can you, can you read this? Is, is it possible to read this? Yeah. Can you see? Okay. So these, what I'm going to show you now is that these, um, these five at the top, the line of the divine romance, the line of life, the line of the new Jerusalem, also known as God's building, the line of eating, and the line of the kingdom. Okay. These are topics. A lot of times, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, something else happened to me when I touched the church life. And that is the fact that all of a sudden, you know, there wasn't one book uh to, to read anymore. You know, I talked about this last dive session, you know, like purpose driven life comes out and every Christian on the planet buys the book. You know, it's like 35 million copies are sold or something like that. Then there's like crazy love by, by, uh, by what's his name? Gosh, I can't Francis Chan. So then everybody, everybody runs and buys the book. Okay. And it's like every Christian in every denomination is reading the same book. Okay. So it goes through like these waves. Okay. Then I, then I come into the church life. There's like 5,000 books. Okay. It's like, I don't, honestly, I don't even know where to start. And I think something psychologically happens. I think something psychologically happens to you. It becomes so overwhelming. You just don't do anything. Okay. And I think we've all had this experience one time or another, you know, you go into the bookstore and it's just like, like all these books and you're just like, which one do I pick? You know, you know, anyway, and then you get kind of Pentecostal, like maybe if one of them moves, I'm just kidding. So the, the whole, the whole thing is, the whole thing is I'm, what I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to give you some topics here. Okay. I'm trying to give you some topics that you can zero in on. You guys, if you learn these lines, I can't even tell you, and I know some of these things, the line of dust, Trevor, what are you talking about? There is a line of dust in the Bible, okay? Anyway, 
So these are these are ones. Obviously, some are are a way bigger thing than others. Okay, but it's it's somewhere to start. Okay, some of these are covered. Actually, all ten are uh, of the ten lines in the Bible, the book. All of them are covered in this list. Okay, and then and then we just kind of added on to it. Okay, if listen, if you come to one of these, and it's and this is an example. You come to one of these and it's like, I don't know what God's covenants are. The line of God's covenants. Okay, that's fantastic that you don't know that. Okay, stop being Laodicea and acting like you did. Okay, and so hey, we need to get out of it. We need to get out of it, you know. And so this is the thing. I need to then go and start looking, probably ministrybooks.org, which we're going to get to in a little bit. And I need to type in God's covenants and see what it takes me. Okay, so this is this is the thing. And then I can start connecting verses. I can start connecting footnotes. Okay, so we could actually do a dive session on all 38 of these. So unfortunately, Nathaniel and I have only done 26 dive sessions, so we have a lot to go. Okay, Nisette, do you have any questions? Well, one, I just want to say you articulated my experience very well because I have such a hard time reading the ministry and I think it's because I just get so overwhelmed. But like, I also grew up in like Christianity or like, you know, the, with the wave of books, like everyone's reading the same thing. So it's like, okay, you just, you know which book to read. But now it's like, we have access to so much rich ministry that you're like, where do I even begin? Um, yeah, that's cool. totally. It's overwhelming. Okay. It's <laughs> overwhelming. I Like, Wait, I can't even tell you guys how many books I bought and I haven't even touched them. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, now this is now what we're going to do now is there's a, there's a list of excuses and we're just going to kind of run through these that people have of not getting into the truth. You guys, I would love to dive through the lines of the Bible with all of you because it would be incredible and this is the thing, if you can learn these, if you can learn these, you can feed anybody these things, okay? I can, I can tell you, honestly, once you get into these things, because of the way your brain works, if you have context, all the, the only topic that needs to come up is eating, okay? As soon as I hear somebody say eating, there is a vast archive of verses that start popping up in my head how did that happen that happened because i i got into that topic and i went through the whole bible okay and so it, it happens with baptism boom all the verses on baptism okay this is how you get into it okay but these are uh, we're not actually showing you how to get into it yet we're just showing you that these are things you can get into okay okay so nathaniel um go for it okay yeah <clears throat> um you know there's this twenty-five thousand page book by book commentary of the entire bible it's called the life study of the bible and you know the very first very first message that was given in 1974 it was romans the very first one, if you go look at the very first one, you know what it's on? Take a guess. 
uh, surely it would be justification by faith, what Luther discovered, right? Mm. What do you think? Aaron, Cosette, what do you think? Aaron, you guess first. Oh, man. Put me on the spot. The very first one. Because um... remember, this isn't just like he, he knew as he was doing this, he's going to be doing the entire Bible. Mm. So, but he's starting with Romans. So what's the very first one? The line. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's okay. No, no worries. Cosette, do you have a guess? I was thinking something like God's eternal purpose with man, but I feel that would be too easy. So maybe not. The divine romance. The divine romance. The very first one, you know, and, and probably at that time, very few people had even considered that such a thing even existed in the Bible. But that's how he began. Anyway, to me, that was always, yeah. that was always really um, incredible. And, uh, you know, you also, you see the line of life. You can trace that throughout the entire Bible, the line of building, uh, all these things, uh, they're just, ah, they're just there. Anyway, it's wonderful. Um, okay, so, uh, bu -bu -bu -bum. excuse, and so the other thing is, we're not, obviously, there are some things in the Bible that are more crucial than others, yeah. uh, but, so, 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 Again, when you get into these lines, it's really helpful to do it with others because it saves you. It saves you from, you know, pulling out and say, hey, the line of dust, it's like the most important thing ever. <laughs> you know, we don't want to get into that realm where it's like, hey, my line's better than your line. Okay. Actually, uh, there, there are some things in the Bible that are crucial and that are central and everything else kind of hangs on those things. So uh, anyway, I just want to make, make sure we're, we're clear. Hey, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, your soul clings to the dust and Satan eats dust. Okay? Yes. So you, yeah, I just gave you guys a, I gave you guys a window into the line of dust. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So that's why we need to be transformed into precious stones. Then the dragon, he breaks his teeth on, 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 uh, on us. Okay. Um, okay. So excuses. Uh, we don't have enough time. All right. So that's, that's, that's one of the big ones. We don't have enough time. Or we feel burnt out. You just feel so tired at the end of the day. You just, you know, and uh okay if you're a housewife with three kids i totally get it uh tell you one of the things my wife does a lot of times is she just listens to things so she just listens there's so many resources out there um you can get an account on lsm webcast you can listen to all these conferences that they put on joseph's storehouses i mean there's just so much wow. that you can access and so um there's a whole podcast on the life study of the bible that you can download and listen to anyway okay um another excuse it's not my function um 
our response to be our response, you know, it's not my function to be constituted with the truth. So our response to that would be, yes, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. It's actually all of our function. We show them the first poll with the truth. Yes. Um, and uh, this is really good. Um, in Acts 18, 26, both Priscilla and Aquila, you know, Priscilla mm -hmm. is the wife, Aquila is the husband. They both expounded the way of God to um, Apollos more accurately. So it wasn't just Aquila, it was both of them. And I can tell you one of the greatest joys that I have is when my wife and I are with someone else and we're both speaking the word to them. Because I really, I just, I treasure my wife's portion. You know, I'm like all over in the stratosphere going from Genesis to Revelation. And then she just brings it down to earth and applies it to their situation. So it's awesome. Um, okay. Uh, you may not know where to start. Okay. We're going to try to help you. Okay. If you don't know where to start, we're going to try to help. Um, and, and please, we're not, uh, this is not like you, you have to do this. But uh, I think we all, we just want to get into the truth. We want to be constituted with the truth so we can make some suggestions. We have by no means arrived. We are learning uh, just as much as you are, um, but we can, we can learn together. Uh, another excuse is it's too hard or I don't have the capacity. Okay. So one thing we would say is just do what works for you. Don't compare yourself to other people it's just not helpful. You know, so-and-so does so much, whatever. Okay. You're not so-and-so the Lord didn't make you that way. So just be who you are. You know, if we, your capacity is five minutes in the Bible every day, wonderful. Okay. You just tell the Lord, Lord, I have five minutes. I need something. I need food so that I can be nourished. And so I can give to someone else. Boom. Done. You shouldn't. Um, you shouldn't stay at five minutes, though. I'm. I'm. Gonna, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like, sure, be, you gotta start you somewhere. You're different. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, the other thing is, we need to do what works. Okay, yeah, do what works for you. And then, if it's if you feel like it's too hard or you don't have the capacity, try doing it with others. Try studying with others, and 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 don't be bothered if. If you feel like they see more than you do, or you feel like you're not contributing, you actually do contribute. You don't even realize it. I can't tell you how many times I've been in groups with people and you just realize this person has a portion I don't have. Every single person on this call has a portion I don't have. You have a portion that, that Trevor doesn't have. You, everyone on this call and actually every member of the body of Christ is indispensable and irreplaceable. So when you're come together and you're and you you're you're in a group and you're pursuing the truth together, that can be one of the best ways to um, especially if you feel like you don't have the capacity, that can be one of the best ways to pull something out. Um, okay, now we're going to start touching on how. And one of the things Okay, learning how to study the truth is not a waste of time. If we want to look, be constituted with the truth, we need to learn how, how 
and I've uh, got to be clear on this, it's not just how to study the truth, it's how do you study the truth? How do I study the truth? Because we're all different and we all learn differently. And to study the truth involves the use of our mind. Yes, our mind needs to be renewed. Okay, but in order for it to get into your spirit, it has to pass through your mind. And in order for it to get out of your mouth to someone else, it passes through your mind. So you have to consider, and we have to learn, how does it work for me to take the truth in? How does it work? How do I learn? Um, okay, so everyone does it differently. And so it's actually to study the truth and to be constituted with the truth. One of the big things is to learn how you study the truth. Yeah, that's true. Learning how you study the truth is not a waste of time. Don't feel like it's, it's um, you know, I just need to start. Well, you may, it's good to, to first learn how do you study the truth. So now we have another poll. And this is, yeah, it's another poll. Okay. So it's not the last poll. It's not the last poll, but the last poll is the best poll. Yeah. Okay, this is the second to last poll. So it's three questions about how do you study the truth? Part one, part two, part three. The first part is, do you study, how do you, you know, really, how do you study the truth? Do you do it by yourself? Do you do it with others? Both, both you know, do you do both? by yourself and with others, or you just don't, you don't have the practice of studying the truth. Um, the second part is how do you study the truth? Is it mainly by reading? Do you make outlines of what you read? Um, do you ask questions when you read and you're trying to answer them? Do you write summaries? Do you practice speaking what you've read to other people? Or, you know, you just, you don't study the truth. Um, and then the third part is I study the truth by going through different books of the Bible. You do it topically, um, or maybe your, your study of the truth is just whatever the church you meet with is getting into that week. Or stop asking me, <laughs> I don't study the truth. <laughs> so whichever, whichever those are, okay? So we'll just give you a little bit of time to to respond, but it's actually really helpful for us us to see see this because um, it gives us a sense, especially for the next session when we speak more and more about how how to present to others. Um, yeah, it'll be really helpful. Okay. How to present to others is much more complicated. Yeah. Well, while they're filling out the poll, Trevor, do you want to do the um, the pyramid? Yeah, I'm going to show you guys a really cool thing. This is a study that has been done many, many times on vast amounts of people. And I want to show you what they came up with. And this is how people learn. It's the learning pyramid. Okay, this is amazing. Uh, you only, you actually only retain 5% of what is spoken in a lecture. That's why your school doesn't work. Um, reading, you only retain 10%. Audiovisual, now this is obviously generally speaking. Also, I will say as far as the lecture goes, 
uh, this percentage can go up based on uh, how interesting your person is that's speaking. So if it's the clear eyes guy, it'll probably be like 1%, okay? <laughs> but if you're, if you're a very dynamic, charismatic speaker, you can probably get your audience to retain a little bit more than 5%, but this is generally speaking, that's what happens. And actually, I, I don't want to, I want to point out one thing. When you, when you look at this pyramid, um, you know, when we, when we go to conferences, I don't know about your experience. I, I actually love them. Most of the, most of the reason I love them is because I get to see everybody. Okay. That's, I gotta be honest, but, but actually when I walk away, I always get kind of discouraged because I don't remember as much as I wanted to. Okay. And I'm like, and I'll walk away and I'll maybe remember like one or two things. And they really did touch me. You know, they were, they were a big deal. Um, but that's, that's the, it's honestly like sitting in a lecture. Okay. And so the more interactive the person is, the more their mind is activated and the more they'll learn. Okay. So I even, I've even heard of, uh, you know, medical schools now in the United States, at least some of them, they, they've done this, they've started doing this thing where they'll put like six or seven students at a table and they'll, they'll throw like a piece of paper in the middle of the table. And it's basically your patient has these issues coming into the ER. What do you do? And so, you know, they're bleeding from this, they, they can't, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the, you know, the situation is. And they, those six or seven students, because the medical schools learned that they, you actually learn much better by, by discussing it with each other and trying to figure it out, problem solve. You guys, problem solving is the way you learn. Create a problem. When I, when I present the truth to people, I always create a problem, okay? For those of you who know me, I will sit there and I'll purposefully create a problem and then we have to fix it. Hey, why do these verses contradict themselves? That's a problem. You do. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. And so, so this is the thing we, we need, we really need to solve problems and our brain, our brain, like I'm, I'm actually paying attention more when, because I'm actively trying to help in this whole situation. And then on top of that, I do it when I'm by myself, I'll come across a verse and I'll be like, wait, that doesn't, that contradicts this other verse. Okay. And that's, that's now a problem for me to fix. I've got to figure out how to solve this. Okay. The ultimate way of learning is to teach others. 90%. Okay. If you think you know something, you think you know it because you went to a conference and, and some brother said it from the podium. And guess what? That's 5%. Okay. But then, but then what happens... What happens if you go and try and talk to somebody else about it? There's 85% missing, you know what I'm saying? And so what, what you need to do is you need to learn how to speak to others. And in doing that, it will infuse the truth into you, okay? It becomes a part of you when you teach others. Yeah. 
And you actually don't know something until you can teach others. You don't. And so this is, this is an amazing thing. And actually, uh, Nathaniel is going to talk about kind of the, the passive and active learning when, when, cause you can see that on here, passive and active, uh, on the pyramid. Another thing is guys, you don't know where to start. I gave you the lines in the Bible. That's cool. Another one, another one is just, why don't, why don't you just pick a book? Okay. I'll, I'll pick the, pick the gospel of John, you know, and go through every chapter and see all the different ways that God comes to man, you know? There, there's so many things that you can do to get into the truth. And we're going to get to the tools here in a second, but go, go ahead, Nathaniel. Yeah. The, um, so actually reading is an incredibly passive exercise, but interestingly enough, that is probably the most common way that we use to try to take in the truth, whether we're reading the Bible or the ministry or anything else, you know, like, I, I don't know how many times I've been in a gathering and we just sit, sit around together and we're, we read something. And then after we read, everybody, you know, tries to kind of come up with something that they appreciated, you know, and then, and then they, 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 they speak based on that. So usually, you know, I might remember a little bit of what I've spoken if I speak there, but if I don't, I guarantee you the vast majority of the people who are in that time, if I ask them a week later what they read, there isn't going to be a lot of retain, retaining. Um, and that's because actually our brain just, <laughs> our brain is actually kind of programmed to just forget what we read because there's no interaction, because it's passive, uh, our brain actually will just file that away as that, that goes into the, in the, into the rubbish bin, into the garbage can. It's just not important. Even though we may think it's important, we may feel it's important, okay? So that's why, uh, and I, I really like this chart because it shows this kind of uh, spectrum from active to, active to passive. And notice when, we, when you get into discussion and when you get into practicing doing and teaching others, okay, that's kinesthetic, which means, you know, you're using parts of your being other than just sitting there passively. Um, you're speaking, you're, what, you, what it forces you to do is it forces you to um, synthesize, uh, it forces you to kind of put together in your mind the things that uh, the the thing the, the 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 truth, and so for some that may involve uh, right making an outline. Okay, others it may just involve you know as you're reading you you take notes and then at the end you try to summarize everything. Um, but to be honest, one of the most effective ways is actually just by speaking, just by learning how to speak to other people. And you will find that as you do that, you will mess up and you will mess up a lot. And that's totally okay. <laughs> Don't yeah. be bothered by messing up. Okay. Uh, okay. I was, yeah, you know, when I was in high school, I, um, 
I, I was at this conference. It was actually like a truth school. So it was like a week long. And I think we were getting into the Bible or something. And I got up and I had no idea what I was going to say. And I ended up standing there for five minutes and 42 seconds. I know because my friends timed me and I just, it was just an absolute disaster. Okay. And so after that, I can't, I won't get into all the specifics because you're just going to start cringing. But the point is I have been there and done that in terms of, um, really, really embarrassing mess ups in front of tons of people. Okay. And, um, I can only tell you that actually I learned from that and, and you can learn from it. And, you know, uh, every time after you finish, you will remember what you missed. You'll remember, Oh, I, I should have said that. I should, that's fine. We're all like that. Um, and you just, you take that and you apply it for the next time. And, you know, I mean, these dive sessions have personally been a huge help to me because I've had to get into material fellowship with others. And then we, together we synthesize and then we, we learn how to speak, you know, and I can't tell you how many times we've done it. And then afterwards, I just feel like, wow, I miss this and miss this, miss this, miss this, miss this. Um, but it's always a big help. So just learning how to take, take it and engage it, engage it, be actively engaged the material, not passively reading merely, but learn how to actively engage the material. Okay. Yeah. Take it and get it into you and speak it and make it, make it yours. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's it kind of also explains why like volunteering in a dive session almost like engages you more. So it makes you like pay more attention or even get more out of the dive session. So for all those people who want to vol volunteer, I encourage you next time. Yes. Yes. Cassette. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Actually, that's why we ask people to volunteer. It's a big reason. Yeah. Very good. Um, okay. Uh, Trevor, do you want to talk about asking questions? This is another big, big point. Asking, asking questions is the greatest thing on the planet. I I can't understand people who don't ask questions. I can't even I can't even relate to you. Um, we can't have a conversation, honestly. That's how much I don't relate to you. If you're not a person who asks questions, um, I don't know where you're going to start as far as getting into the truth. I know, I, I know where they can start. Where they need to get with somebody who asks questions. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but actually, that's true. They need to activate their brain because, because this is the deal. Asking questions is what really unlocks everything. Okay. Why, why is that? Do you think the Lord asked people questions? um either to like get them to like maybe they'd have a revelation themselves or even to like you just said unlock more like channels of other topics and stuff yeah did, did he not know the answer no he, he knew the answer okay so his questions were rhetorical 
right? Yeah. Oh, no, that, every, wait, rhetorical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single question he asked, he knew the answer. Mm -hmm. Every single one. So why did he ask it? This, we're going to get into this more when, we're, when we are, are presenting to other people. If you're talking at them, they're not listening. If you're asking questions, it activates their brain, okay? So this is, this is honestly a, a huge issue that, that we have because we have so much to share. I mean, I have so much to share. And so I, I actually just need this other person in front of me to stop talking so that I can share, okay? So the, the thing is, the thing is that doesn't help that person receive anything you have to say because you haven't created a problem yet. A question is a problem. Okay. And so this is, this is a quote. I love this quote. Every contradiction which you find in the word of God is simply a revelation of God's multifarious wisdom patiently waiting to be revealed to you. Okay. Okay. This is, this is totally true. It's absolutely totally true in my experience. I have found you know, I was a religious studies major at the University of Texas. And honestly, those, those professors, they're kind of evil. Actually, they're just straight evil. I'll just call them. They're evil. Okay. And as, especially in the religious studies department, because what they do is they try to rip away your faith. Okay. And what they do is they, they, they point out all these contradictions. Oh, you know, the Bible's not complete. Um, oh, look, you know, this, this book outside of the Bible that wasn't canonized, you know, all these. Okay, forget about those contradictions. That's stupid. Okay. Then they try to, then they try to pull out contradictions within the Gospels. Well, maybe they don't know that the Gospels is connected to the four living creatures. That's a dive session that we probably need to get into. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is the thing. This is the thing. There's answers. There are answers. And so when, when you come across a contradiction, it's fantastic. I love it. I used to like, I used to like start doubting and stuff. No, no. Now I'm like, now I'm like, okay, there's something really cool here that I just don't know yet. Okay. You have to start looking at the Bible differently. And so honestly, one of the, one of the best things to do is to create a problem. Like we said earlier. Okay. I'm going to show you guys a verse here. And this is, these guys are my favorite. Um, I'm just like, and I wish I could have hung out with these guys. They were in Greece. Uh, Aaron, bro, can you, can you read for me? Uh, this is Acts 17, 10 and 11. You have to unmute him. I did it. I'll be, bro. Whenever you mute yourself and like the host doesn't allow participants to unmute, then you can't unmute yourself. Sorry about that. Thank you. Um, Acts 17, 10, 11, you say, yeah? Yeah. And the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away during the night um, to Berea, who, when they arrived, went off into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, these people were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Okay, so this is, these guys are awesome. Okay, these guys are awesome. I, I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you. I, I when, when I was in Bible school, uh, some of you, some of you might know him. His name's Ron Kangas. 
and I sat down with him one time and I said, I, I, okay, there's a difference here. I want you guys to see the difference because the spirit of your question matters. Okay. Okay. So it's not just ask questions, but it's really the spirit of your question. So this is a quick story. I sat down and I tell the first thing I said, first thing I said to him is I question everything. Okay. And the first thing he said back was you're unteachable. Okay. Okay. That was, that was an appropriate dart that I needed. I needed that little slice. Okay. And so then I was like, I was like, well, dang, like, I've always thought it was really positive to question everything, you know, like I question authority. <laughs> I question my parents, you know, I'm always questioning everything. Okay. And so I did that. I did that because I have a fear of being ignorant. I have a fear of being ignorant. Okay. Now, now what he did tell me, what he did tell me is we do need to be, because basically, basically, if you question absolutely everything, the reason you're unteachable is you can't ever accept anything as truth. Okay. And so, so it's not, it's not a matter of questioning. Like if I give you an answer and, and then you question that, like how teachable are you? You're not. So, so basically what we need to be, we need to be like the Bereans. And he, he, he took me to this part of the Bible, Acts 17. And what they did is they examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Okay. We have a lot of books. How much are you examining the scriptures to see if it's true? I'm not questioning whether it's not true, but we need to do that. And so Paul was speaking to the Bereans and these guys, I should put this in a frame on my wall. I love these guys. Okay. They were checking the scriptures daily to see whether if it was true. Okay. And so this is, this is the thing he told me, he did actually end up telling me that, that, you know, the, the men who, who, whose names are on those books that we have, they, they were in the word for 60 years. Okay. At this point in time, I had been in the, in, in the word for about five. Okay. And so he says, there's a level there that you have to trust them. There's a certain aspect of trust that needs to exist or else you're unteachable. Okay. But, but we still should question things. And what I mean by questioning things is mostly when I go to the Bible and I start reading the Bible Asking questions and learning how to ask questions is a skill that we need to develop. Okay. If I come across a verse and I, and I don't know what it means, I need to ask the right questions. A lot of times cassette, you know what I end up doing? The questions that I asked myself and figured out over time, whether that was through fellowship with other brothers or I found it somewhere. You know what I do is I do the same thing to you when I meet you. I'll take you to the verse. This is very easy as far as sharing the truth with someone. I take you to the same verse that I, that I couldn't figure out. Okay. 
and I'll present it to the person and then I'll ask them the same question that I asked myself. This is super easy. And then you know what I do? I take them through the progression of how I found the answer. And it's honestly the best way to pass on information is through a story. Okay, tell a story, perfect storytelling. You can actually present the, the truth through telling a story, okay, of how you found the truth. That's captivating, okay? Tell me the story. I take you to the footnotes. I show you the footnotes. And this is what I was thinking when I read the footnote. What are you thinking? Then the person's like, oh, I don't know. This is what I, I'm thinking the same thing you were thinking now. Yeah, that's right. Hey, let's figure out how to figure this out. And then we go on this little journey together, okay? And I take them to all the places that I went. That's the easiest appointment in the world. But it starts, it starts with you asking questions in the first place. Okay. Oh man, I get, I get, there's nothing I get more excited about than talking about how to present stuff. Man, I get into it. Okay. I'm going to, I got, I just got to hand it off at this point. Cause this is still, we got to get into the tools here, bro. We're about to get into the tools. And um, one comment. I just want to make is that the Bible and the ministry can withstand your scrutiny. Okay. They can, no problem. Don't feel like you can't ask questions. Like you're going to uncover some kind of major weakness. Uh, I don't know. I've been asking questions for a while. I know brothers much older than I, who've been asking questions for a while. Um, and, and you'll be fine. And so there's no problem with asking questions, but like Trevor was saying, what matters is the spirit with which we're asking. If our, the spirit of our questions is that we're seeking the truth, we yeah. want to be constituted and we love the truth and we come to something and we just don't understand it. So it's like, Lord, what's going on here? What's happening? Um, the other thing, uh, before we go to the tools, I just wanted to uh, comment was that um, there's a whole nother side to getting into the word, which is for nourishment. Okay. We're not touching that in this time. Okay. We're not talking about pray reading. We're not talking about enjoyment so much. Okay. That's an incredibly essential aspect of our Christian life. But what we're talking about today is constitution. And so that involves both the exercise of our spirit and also the proper use of our mind. So anyway, uh, if you have some feeling like, you know, why isn't there more talk about pray reading and enjoyment? Because we're talking about constitution. And when you pray read the word, you get nourished, you get supplied, you get enlightened, you pick up the utterance, but you need more than that in order to be constituted. You have to use your being renewed mind to and allow the word to penetrate your mind and ask questions and engage with the material so that eventually it becomes a part of you and you learn how to present it to others. So now we're going to just, and this is really the last part, um, we're just going to talk about the tools. Okay, so what kind of tools do we use to get into the word? Um, and then we'll have our final poll. And as uh, Trevor was saying, we're going to be looking at Genesis 2. Okay, we're not, it's not like a, 
unified dive session in Genesis 2, but we're just going to be looking at that chapter and using it as an example of when we are diving into the word, what, how do we use these particular tools? So um, uh, there's, there's um, okay, there's many translations that you can use. Um, yeah. and, and we do use a number of different translations. Um, we also, uh, we really, we use the, the recovery version of the Bible quite a bit. And um, there's a really nice version of that in, um, in a program called iSilo. Uh, and so that's, that's uh, so, you know, you can, that's uh, obviously digital and electronic. Okay. And you can access it, not just through iSilo, you can access it on Kindle, on iBooks, on uh, Playbooks with Android. Um, but here we have it in uh, iSilo. So, uh, yeah, Trevor. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is, uh, this is iSilo. I think, uh, I'm pretty sure actually, uh, the Lord's Recovery has single-handedly supplied iSilo with 90% of its buyers. So, um, although, we're showing you this because it's very useful, but at the same time, it also uh, is is not. They're not supporting it anymore. So there's a couple. I don't know if you guys know this yet, but the iSilo people have said that they're no longer going to update iSilo. So I don't know what update in the future is going to happen to my phone, but one day this is not going to work anymore, and I am going to cry. Okay. If there's a brother out there that has a burden to buy iSilo and keep it going, please do so for me, for me personally. Okay. Um, okay. So, I mean, this is pretty self-explanatory. If, if you don't know how to maneuver through iSilo, um, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a person that you know that does. Another thing before we get into tools, Nathaniel and I are pleading with you, begging do not text us this week asking us intimate technical issues about apps and things. We will not respond. Okay. You can, you can, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just not interested in answering those questions. So uh, it doesn't mean that we don't like you. It just means that we have a life outside of this Zoom call. Um, I think we're good with iSilo, bro. <laughs> like, what? I, I don't even know what we use iSilo, you know, like, um, what what is there a specific thing that we want to show them with iSilo? No, I it's, mean, I, I mean, you know, you, you can you, you see all the hyperlinks, so you can right. click on things to get to footnotes and, and all that sort of stuff. So, that I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. and you can do something similar with uh, the recovery version on Kindle, um, or iBooks, or uh, or Google, Google Play, and yeah, if you do have technical, um, issues uh I, there are most certainly people around you who can who can who can help you and we encourage you to 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 seek them out uh the next thing i'm going to show you is a free program it's called eSword. i use it on my laptop and um there are versions of it both on uh on on uh, uh apple called it's called pocket sword and um on android it's called my sword 
okay? Keyword is sword. <laughs> and so um, anyway, eSword, you can download it put it onto your laptop. Uh, I really like it. And I'll, I'll just show you, um, let me bring this up. Okay. All right. Can y'all see that? Yeah. You see yeah. that? Okay. So basically this is eSword. It's, it's an electronic, um, uh, Bible study tool. And so it doesn't come like this. Like I've, I've added a number of things. So when you first get it, what you can do is you go to download and you can click on Bibles. And, uh, okay. Can you all still see that? Do you see the page that came up or no? Um, or do you just still see the Bible? Do you just still, yeah, see, the still, still, still Bible? Do see the Bible? Okay, hang on. I need to do something else. I'm going to share my Your screen. Desktop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Do you all see that now? Yeah. 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 Okay. So what happened is I clicked on download and then Bibles. And then um, you see I downloaded a number of different. So it sees that here it says installed. So that means I downloaded and installed the American Standard Version. So I just chose the ones that I that I thought would be helpful. I didn't download every single one, although you definitely can. Um, and so there's every every single one has free versions, and then there's also premium. And so for the premium, I that means you have to go to the Eastward website and you pay for a license, and then you can download it. Um, basically you pay, they'll give you a code. And then when you click on here, you just enter the code and then you can download it. And so I took Weiss expanded translation uh, because I, I thought that that would be really helpful. Weiss was a, a Greek scholar and um, his translation, he tries to bring out as literal the meaning as he can in the, in the, uh, in the verses that he translates. Okay, also, I've, there are some commentaries. This is, um, I, don't, I don't use these as much, but sometimes they're helpful. So for example, Kyle, and, and, and I'm totally probably mispronouncing this, uh, uh, Delich. Anyway, they did a commentary on the Old Testament. Some of their stuff is quoted in the recovery version. And um, sometimes I found stuff that they've said to be helpful. Um, the Schofield Reference Bible Notes, um, Schofield Reference Bible, a lot of what they have was um, he, he, he took from the brethren. Um, sometimes that's okay. And then um, also, I really like Vincent's word studies. Um, some of that's quoted in the, in the recovery version as well. Um, and then I also took um, Weiss word studies. Then under dictionaries, there's a lot of different things here. There's, you know, you can get various definitions, concordances, and I paid for Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary because um, anyway, that was that was uh, that's also something that is is quoted in the recovery version, and I, I, I found that to be helpful. Anyway, there's a number of other things you can get, but basically that's why I I have all this stuff. And so let's say I want to go to Genesis, and I go to Genesis two, twenty one. Then what happens is. Um, you see, it says the Lord. Okay. And I can click on this here and actually it pops up the, uh, 
the the actual word in Hebrew, and then uh, and then you also uh, will get some definitions. Um, so this is the Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew definitions, but then I can also go um, here the King James Concordance. It shows all the times that the word Lord is used. I can also go to Strong, and I get uh, this right here. Okay. Um, let me see now. Uh, and then also, uh, if I go over on this side, I can get Keelan uh, Delich's uh, commentary on this section of the word. So anyway, this is all, these are all stuff that's helpful. As we've said before, your, you know, the vision really is, is really important. What you want to, what, what your view is when you come to this. So I always look at all of this kind of with that filter. I'm not, I, I uh, and and so as a result, it, it's it it can be helpful. Sometimes it's not helpful. Sometimes I read it and it's like, I don't know where they got that from. But um, uh, anyway, it's just a, a resource that's available. So that's um, Genesis. That's uh, Esword. Um, then I'm going to show you all. I'm just going to minimize this. You can see my screen now. And I'm going to bring up another, okay. Can you all see this screen here? Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna show you another tool that I use. It's called um, Bible Hub. And basically what I use this for is if I wanna see how, how a particular version, or I wanna see how a certain word is translated through a bunch of different versions, then uh, what I'll do is I, I can go to Bible Hub and um, I won't select a particular version, but I'll, I'll just uh, I'll go here and let's look at Genesis 2.21. And I click that and then I get literally, it just breaks out down for me all these different versions and I can see the translation, okay? So um, anyway, it's really helpful if I have a question about how a particular, um, uh, like for example, uh, when it says that Adam fell asleep, I can just look and see how how all of these versions translate. And so some say he was sleeping, slept, you know, and I just see, okay, it's pretty common. It's a pretty common um, uh, way that, that that particular word is, is translated. So Bible help, Hub is a big help for that. Okay, now uh, this is one of my favorite tools. If I can... Um, Sorry, I'm just going to bring this over here. Uh, okay, this is called ministrybooks.org. Okay, and I, I, I like this a lot. Okay, you can go to uh, books here, A to Z, and you can get, there's just so much there, so you can just kind of look at it alphabetically. Um, there's some links to some other stuff here. And I'd like to point out, first of all, something called affirmation and critique. So that's here. It's afcrit.com. And uh, these, if, you, if you go to the uh, homepage, it'll look like this. And then if you go to all issues, you can look at all the various um, archives. And I really like this because um, basically, this is written um, by uh, brothers who serve with Living Stream Ministry. 
but they're writing for an outside audience. And so it's uh, kind of has a pretty theological bent. And actually these uh, journals are carried in, in a number of different seminaries. So they're actually used as resources by theologians. Um, and I'll just point out a few things. So if I click on this, knowing the triune God, so this is the first issue. And I'm just wanted to say, if you haven't read this um, thing here called Axioms of the Trinity, it is awesome. I read it in Bible school and it to this day has just helped me so much in my understanding and experience of the triune God. Actually, this whole art, this whole section here, all these articles are so helpful. I got into an argument one time with a, a Jehovah's Witness, and some of the things he said really bothered me. And I opened up to an older brother about it, and he recommended I just read this. So I did, and it was a huge, huge, huge help. So anyway, I, I recommend this. And then also, um, they have various departments within each journal, and so different categories. And there's one called Glossa. And so um, in the 2000 issue on grace and the economy of God, there's one called sonship or adoption as sons. And I've, I've gotten so much help from this. And basically the brother who wrote this, he just goes through using the Greek. He looks at the word sonship because many times it's translated as adoption. And he just goes through and, and looks at how it's used and the revelation that comes from just looking at how this one word is used throughout the New Testament is so helpful. And so actually when you meet people who believe that we are adopted as opposed to being genuine, you know, born sons of God, um, just having that as, as background is, is very, very, uh, very, very helpful. Okay, so... Um, let me see. That is affirmation and critique. Now I'm going to go back to ministry books and you'll see something here called search. <clears throat> so this is, I don't know, I don't know what we would do without the, this, but it's just so helpful. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to type in God. Okay, there, there's, there's a number of different ways you can search. And so if you look here, it says search scope. You can include all word forms or specified word forms. I personally always just do specified word forms because my search is always, I try to do it very specific because there's just so much out there. And I need to narrow down what I'm looking for. Um, I also usually just search all publications, but if you want, you can narrow it down by category, by author, or even to specific books. Okay. Now, um, you, can, you can search very simply. You can just type a word or type a phrase. Um, but there's a particular um, tool that I like. It's called proximity search, this one right here. And basically what it does is when I, when I use this particular symbol, then it will pull up everything that includes a number of different words that are close together in the same portion. And Personally, to me, this is like the most helpful way that I've found So when I'm searching. So, for example, if I want to find portions in the word that talk about God and man, and I also I'm thinking of another key word, alone. 
okay? Because I'm, I remember I'm getting into Genesis 2. And that's where God says it's not good for man to be alone. And I just want to look and see what the ministry has to say concerning God and man and, and being alone. So what I'll do is I'll use this. It's the squiggly line, okay? And then I put man and then I put alone right there. And then I search, okay? Now, when I'm uh, searching, I get all these results. Okay, the first thing I look at is hits. Okay, that's the number of times this, these particular three words will appear in that particular section. I also kind of look at ranking, um, but, but mainly, uh, and ranking is, is helpful because like, if I go all the way down here, and you see where it says zero, actually that generally means that it's not very relevant to the search. So I'm trying to focus on search results where the ranking, where the hits number is high and the ranking number is high. Now I have these, these, these five here and immediately I might go to the life study of Genesis because I know this will, this will talk about stuff. So when I click on this, Immediately at the top, I see chapter 17, and the ranking is 75, and it has six hits. So I'm going to go here first, because notice here, it says all these places, they have zero ranking. That means it's not going to be that relevant. Nathaniel, so, what does ranking mean? Um, I'm not 100% sure the people who built this, what they meant by ranking. The way that I understand it is relevance. So in other words, how, because sometimes you can find those three words, okay? You can find those three words all over the place. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a relevant portion of the ministry. So for example, let's go to chapter 108. The ranking is zero. It has two hits, okay? So it has God everywhere. But look, that's not really helpful because Look, not only does it have man, but then it just, it says many, okay? So it just isolated the word man out of the word many. And then it talks about how we are all home alone. That has nothing to do with Genesis 2.18, right? So it found those words, but the ranking is not, the ranking just shows it's not going to be helpful. But if I go to, if I go to message uh, to chapter 17 and I click on that, Okay, now I have this section, not good for God to be alone. Boom. Okay, I've hit pay dirt. This is gold. I, this, is, I, this is relevant to what I'm getting into. Okay, so you see how I've done it. I, I've, I isolated some keywords, and then I used the proximity search, and then I just looked at things that I thought would be highly relevant. Okay, and now I have this section. Man is a type of God, the real universal husband. Um, uh, it was not good for God to be alone. God is absolutely eternally perfect, but he's not complete. To say that God isn't perfect is to speak blasphemy. Our God is eternally perfect. Nevertheless, without the church, he is complete. So now I'm starting to understand, okay, when it, got, when it says God, it is not good for God to be alone, Actually, it's not just God, but it also means it's not good for Adam to be alone. And this is actually speaking about Christ in the church. Okay, so that's, it's just very, very helpful. 
Um, <clears throat> I just want to point out some of the results here. Um, and I don't know if this will be um, helpful or not, but you'll notice, uh, for example, uh, let me find a, okay, look here. It says the gospel of God right here. And then here, it also, sorry, let me go back. It also has the gospel of God, okay? Actually, these are both going to be about the same. Because in ministrybooks.org, they have a whole section of Watchman Nee's collected works. And then they also have standalone titles. So when you're doing these searches, as you do them more and more, you'll start to realize there are going to be a, a number of duplicates. Because some things were released as standalone titles, but then included as part of a kind of collected works. Um, there's uh, some other things. Let me see. Um, you can also kind of look at, so, you know, there's like a series on messages for building up new believers. So depending on what you're looking for or who you're speaking to, you might look at some of these things and say, okay, this, this, maybe I can look here because there might be something relevant, uh, to the person that I'm, I'm planning to speak to. Uh, I want to see if I can find, I'm not sure if it's here. Okay, Crucial Truths in the Holy Scriptures. This is a whole series of six books, and it's very, uh, it's, it's incredibly topical, and literally what it does is it'll list, uh, sorry, clicked on the wrong thing. Um, it'll list the uh, verse, and then it, it will kind of, uh, uh, give a give a, a some commentary. So here it's actually talking about marriage. Okay, so this might not be that relevant to what I might be wanting to speak, but notice how it's formatted. It'll have the verse, and then I'll have commentary. Verse commentary. So it's like that's how that particular series, crucial truths in the Holy Scriptures. That's how that particular series is is um, is set up, and so it's it's helpful. Okay, and then I just want to point out one other thing, the conclusion of the New Testament, okay? Um, <clears throat> you'll actually, when you're doing searches, you'll find that uh, some overlap between other portions and what you'll find in the conclusion of the New Testament. And that's because in, in some cases, uh, they actually compiled ministry from other portions and put it into here. And the conclusion of the New Testament is really helpful because what they do is they bring together um, highly relevant portions of the ministry on a certain topic and they put it all in one place. So sometimes if I want to get a good summary of a particular subject in the search results, I'll look for stuff from the conclusion of the New Testament. That's to me, that's always, always really helpful. Okay. All right. I think that I don't know. Do you all have any questions or I don't know. Did I miss anything before we go on? Do you ever find it's like difficult for you to like, I don't know, because I, I feel like if you have some sort of background, it might be easier to know which book to click on. And I know that's what re relevance comes in, but mm -hmm. I don't know if you're like maybe not so familiar with the ministry. Yeah. I think that would make it difficult, more difficult for you to choose like which results to choose from. Yeah. And so that's if in that case, 
you kind of got to start small and I would just start with the, the sources that are kind of at the top, if you will, get the highest number of hits and the highest ranking and then start, start with those. Um, and normally I, I, de I definitely check out life studies. I check out the conclusion of the new Testament and then I might look at standalone books. Yeah. Anyway, there are probably a lot of people on this call who, who have done this a lot and, and have, you know, perfected ways to do it. So please don't take this as like, as the way I'm just sharing with you how I do it. You know, just take what you, what, what you want from it. Yeah. Um, Trevor, do you want to do um, pocket sword? Yeah. Okay. Is it there? Okay, is it there? Yeah. Can you see it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is this is I silo still. Okay. So this um, this is one of my favorite apps. Um, if you're an Android user, uh, I just want to apologize in advance. Um, not only because it's not on Android, but uh, the fact that you have an Android. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. I knew okay. Was so, so no, no. <laughs> it's like this. It's like it's like these two camps: Android and iPhone. Okay. So this is. This I, is I have Android, and the the Android version of Pocket Sword is called My Sword. Okay. So, no, no. That's that's actually. I'm very happy. Okay. We were gonna we were gonna mention that. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna open up Pocket Sword here. Um. And it is not user friendly, okay. But but if you know how to navigate it, it's incredible. It's an incredible tool, okay. So this this right now, if you look in the upper right corner right now, it says KJV. That's the King James version, okay. Um, there's a lot of stuff at the bottom. What we're gonna do first, because I if I click on the KJV up here. The only thing I have on here, I deleted everything just for you guys. Okay, so we can start from scratch and you can watch this. Uh, Let's say you download the app. Okay, it comes with the King James Version. Now, the reason why you want this is not only does it have like tons and tons of Bible translations, and I'm talking, guys, they have Apache Indian if you ever go somewhere and like you're talking to an Indian. Okay, like I, I don't know. I didn't need, I'm just glad that the Bible was translated into their language, okay? But Pocket Sword has that. So the thing is, let's say I want to download something, and this is the user-friendly part that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of blow through here really quick to kind of show you what you can do. Um, what you're going to see here is it's going to have these three options. I just, hit, I just hit downloads at the bottom, by the way. Okay, so I, you hit downloads at the bottom. There's only three options right now, but if I hit this little folder in the top right corner, oh wait, let's refresh and see what happens. Oh wow, look at there's so many more. Uh, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. Okay, so so now what we're gonna do? We're gonna go to Crosswire, okay? Just and, and we're just gonna let this thing uh, load a little bit here. Okay, there's different options of what to download. And eventually I'm gonna show you why it's really important to have a tool like this when you're getting into Genesis 2, okay? 
but eventually what I, look at this look at this i mean like okay so these are just these are just like cherokee indian you guys want cherokee there's the cherokee new testament in 16 1860 okay like what in the world okay but I uh, am an English speaker, so there's all these in English. The blue ones are ones that have been downloaded, which is King James, okay? There's a ton of amazing Bibles. Uh, Young's Literal is a great one. Tyndale's Bible is amazing. Um, one, one time we should probably do a dive session on Bible translation. That would be really oh, Yes, that would be so good. Uh, Darby's is very good. I, I'm, I'm sorry if, if I'm passing on ones that you really like, uh, forgive me. Okay. Uh, ASV is also very good. Okay. But the, but the main thing here is the reason why we, why this app is so useful is because of this thing after King James, it says with Strong's numbers. Okay. What that, what that is, is that's, that is Strong's, um, numbers and concordance and basically it's all of the hebrew and greek that's connected to every word in the bible okay okay so i want to know i'm just going to be honest with you guys if you don't know this uh translating from greek to english is horrible and you lose an amazing amount of meaning and depth okay um it's almost it's almost bad enough where it becomes like paraphrased which is which is really I really wish I spoke Greek fluently and I knew ancient Greek. Okay. But I don't. And so one, one way to compensate for this is to get an app like this, that I can click on any word of the Bible and find what, what is this word in Greek and what is the meaning? And that's what strong says. Okay. So let's just say, I'll just show you, I'll, I'll download like, so in, installs up here. This is Young's literal translation. It's just an example. I, I hit install. I hit yes. It installs. I just upgraded my internet. Aren't you all happy about that? Okay. So now, now it's installed. I go back. I'll uh, hit the back button here. Okay. But now, okay. So now I'm back to this, this other part here where it has commentaries. Okay. There's a bunch of different languages. We're not going to go into all of them dictionaries okay there's there's some more of those a lot of this stuff overlaps with eSword what what Nathaniel already showed us on the desktop I like having this because I don't bring my desktop when I do a lot of appointments in person with people yeah. so this this bad boy allows me to use my iPad or my phone to show someone something in the word okay um so you can go back and there's obviously there's these all these different uh, channels that you can get more and more stuff. All, all you German speakers, you want the German Luther Bible and okay, whatever. Okay, now if you look at the bottom left, okay, it says Bible. I hit Bible. Now what are these weird numbers behind the words? This is actually the Strong's um, that is connected to this. But the thing is, a lot of times someone downloads this and then they tell me like, oh, but the numbers didn't pop up. Okay, there's a reason for that. You have to activate it. So you go up to the King James and you hit this little, this is what I mean by it's not user friendly. You hit this little I, you know, and you go like this and you're like, oh, wow. And then you scroll down. Okay. Oh, sorry. You hit preferences down here. King James Version preferences, this, this little guy. 
And then you have to turn on the Strong's number display because if I turn it off, all those numbers disappear. Did you see that? Okay, but I'm turning it on. Okay, so I want to turn it on and I want to go back. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Okay, um, I wish I could show you a bunch of other translations, but I'll just show you this. This is the U version app really quickly, but I'm going to show this to you on purpose. Um, let's go to, let's, let's use the King James, but we're going to go to Genesis 2. And you're going to see that this, okay, Cassette, what's the greatest, uh, what is the greatest prophecy in the entire Bible? I really caught I really caught you off guard there, didn't I? I just like is it, oh goodness, is it about the Lord? The Lord coming? The seed yeah, is it about oh okay. Well Aaron, what do you what do you got, bro? Is it the seed? Okay, okay, um, okay. I thought I was thinking maybe. That's that's a good guess. Aaron, I'm digging the fact that you're jumping in on this. See, see, cause that I just created a problem for you. I asked a question that you didn't know. That's a problem. <laughs> Now we got to figure it out. Sure. Okay. Ma Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. Oh, okay. yeah. It's the greatest prophecy in the Bible. Mm. Oh. This is, I'm going to show you how your translation of the Bible, if, if you don't have a very accurate one, can actually, you will lose opportunities to get revelation. Okay. You'll lose opportunities. Cassette, can you can you read for me? Um, uh, can you read for me twenty two? This is Genesis two twenty two and twenty three. Sure. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay, we know. We know that Genesis 2 is a picture of Christ in the church. Okay, it's a picture. Um, now, we, we know that from past dive sessions. And if you don't know that, I'd love to tell you about it. Okay, so this is, this is the deal. We're not going to get into that. But the point is, because the translators think that the Hebrew word there is a little strange, okay, and the Hebrew word is what he did with the rib. Okay, what did he, what did God do with the rib? So I'm going to go back um, just because it was a little, it's a little hard to read it when all the Strong's is connected to it. But basically, you, you see this word made. Okay, he didn't, he didn't made the woman. Okay, that is not what the Hebrew word is. But how do I prove that? Okay. So this is where this is an area where the King James messed up in 1611. Bad King James. Okay. So here we go. I'm gonna click, I'm gonna click on the Hebrew word and we're gonna see because yeah. now I have pocket sword and I can see why is it, why is it that in the recovery version it says built? It, the recovery version is not the only one, it's just one that I that I pulled up. Okay. Um, Jehovah God built the rib. Okay. Well, honestly, grammatically, the maid actually makes more sense. If I take a rib and I make it into a woman, that makes a little bit more sense than building it into a woman, right? Building it kind of sounds odd, but 
I'm, I'm not going to question, I told you guys to question, but I'm not going to question Moses on this one. I think he knew what he was doing, okay? So Moses, through the inspiration of the Spirit, he gets this word right here. And where, where are we going? We, yeah, and made, okay, I know it's hard to see. It's about midway, and I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit this right here, okay? Can you, can you, so, cassette, what does it say? What just came up? Um, a primitive root to build, literally and figuratively, begin okay. to build. Okay. So what should the word be? Should be build. <laughs> okay. If you take that word away and you make it made, you completely lose out. Like when you see Matthew 16, I will build my church, like you completely lose that connection. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. There's no revelation at all. Yeah. There's no revelation at all because because you you don't see that that word should be built or build, okay? Mm-hmm. Now there's other there's other translations like the NASB that would say he fashioned it, which isn't incorrect. You could actually take the Hebrew word and say fashioned, okay? It's kind of midway between made and built, okay? But this is just an example of how useful this tool can be. Mm-hmm. Also, you'll find the recovery version is on pocket sword. So if you wanted to download that or show someone, you know, someone's asking for it, uh, it doesn't have any of the footnotes, but it does have all the text and you can download that on pocket sword for free. Um, That's an example of why it's so important. And obviously in, in the new Testament, when you come across the word life, which life is it? Is it Zoe life? which is God's life? Is it suke life, which is my mental soul life? Or is it bios, which is my physical life? In English, it just says life. So I don't really know when I'm supposed to pick up my cross, which life is supposed to die. Right? So I I can do that. I can do that if I have pocket sword and I just click on the word and I find out what it is. Cassette, what do you think John three sixteen. Which life do you think that is? Um, Have eternal life. life. Zoe life, because it's God's the only life that's uncreated and eternal. Yeah. So right here, I'm going to click on this, and what comes up? Zoe. Wow. Okay. So now I know that eternal life is Zoe life. It's God's life. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is just an example. And this is a way to dive further into the word by getting into the Greek and the Hebrew, okay? So at this point, uh, Nathaniel's going to take over and show you the outlines. We're almost done, by the way. Yes. And we're going way longer than we thought. I knew it, Nathaniel. I knew it. I did not think we would go this long. <laughs> okay, go. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh, Okay. Mm, yeah, we'll do that one. All right. So, um, can you see this? Uh, do you see the Bible there? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go to Genesis and the first thing I'm going to show you is the outline. So, um, this is an entire outline of the book of Genesis. Okay. So it's really helpful to get a bird's eye view of the entire book. You know, because it it kind of maps out all the key um, 
elements, all the key kind of things that happen. And then, but there's actually a lot of revelation even just contained within the outline. And then it also matches it to the relevant verses. Um, so actually the outlines in the recovery version, which is a study Bible, the outlines are just incredible. A lot of times they're just so helpful in, in um, presenting uh, a, a very kind of succinct bird's eye view of, of the entire book. Um, you know, there's, they have author, time of writing, place of writing, time period, and then there's always a subject. And the subject is again, really helpful uh, because it gives you a really succinct view of what the entire, uh, the entire book is about. And really this subject here is a summary of Genesis. God created, Satan corrupted, man fell, and Jehovah promised to save. It's, it's a, very, uh, a very good, succinct description of what the book of Genesis is about. But now, um, if we go on to um, uh, Genesis 2, um, we're also going to look at some uh, at the footnotes. And the footnotes are, again, really helpful. Uh, you see it's, it's, um, it's highlighted, so that means I can just click on it and boom. Right here at the top, I have that, yeah. Okay, so based on what Nathaniel shared earlier on ministrybooks.org, Okay, let's say I'm coming to this and I read this just as Eve was, was the increase of Adam, the church is the bride is the increase of Christ as the bridegroom. And then it has this reference in John 3. Okay, I have no idea why we're talking about John 3 now. Okay, like why are we talking about Nicodemus and, and, and Jesus talking in John 3? So basically what this does if I want to dive into this topic, okay, we could actually do a line on women in the Bible. And that would, I, I got to add it to the list. Now there's 39. Okay. So there's, there's a line of women in the Bible. And what we can do here is I can click on John three, you can click on it, bro. And then at the end of John three, it's talking about the bride and the bridegroom. Okay. But even by reading this, I don't, I still don't get it. Okay, I still don't get it. And this is when we need to ask questions. Why is it that this footnote is connected to this verse? It's not that clear. And so it would be very good for me to go into ministrybooks.org and start typing in maybe John 3, bridegroom, things like that. And I, I guarantee you a ton of stuff will pop up. Okay, but the footnotes can lead into like a gold mine of other things. Okay. You can just start digging into these other things because a lot of times footnotes will just randomly have a verse reference. And when you go to it, you're like, I don't see how this is relevant, but then you can go to ministrybooks.org. You can search that foot, that reference throughout the footnotes. You can do a lot of stuff and it will, it will lead you down different paths. So that's just an example Nathaniel, you can do verse 25. Okay, so uh, this is, this again, this is just an example of the kind of footnotes there are. So some, like this one, they're like, they're, they're just sort of focused on that particular word. But other footnotes, they're almost like, they're summary footnotes, in a sense. And so they won't just speak about a particular word, but they'll actually kind of speak to 
a, a major thought that we see in that particular portion of the word. And so uh, the second paragraph of Genesis 2.25, so let's go here, right? And it says, and both the man and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed of each other. Well, I believe this footnote is here because it's, this is kind of the conclusion of this section. And so um, the second paragraph makes this point that um, in the very beginning of the Bible and in the very end of the Bible, the, the, there's a reflection, there's a correspondence. So with the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the divine revelation in the scriptures and the New Jerusalem at the end of the divine revelation, there's a reflection and it points four things. You have the tree of life, you have the river, you have three kinds of precious materials and you have a couple. You have these four things in Genesis one and two and you have these four things in Revelation 21 and 22. And then it includes this statement that is just kind of mind blowing but in so helpful at the end what is revealed in these two parts of the scriptures is the central line of the divine revelation of the entire holy scriptures and should be a controlling principle of the interpreting and understanding of the holy scriptures. So actually, you know, a lot of the footnotes are like this. They'll just kind of contain gems, <laughs> you know, and they just, wow. Okay. Now I know when I am interpreting the Bible, when I am trying to understand what's going on, I need to have Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. I need to have that very much in view as I, as I consider what's going on here. Um, so those are the footnotes. And then we're going to wrap up uh, in just a second here. Trevor's going to um, talk to us about cross-references. Well, basically, really quickly, because uh, I really want to do the last poll. Um, very, very quickly here. Uh, this is this is the the cross references. For instance, in in Genesis two, uh, there's a lot of places to go here. And what I want to point out. Can you see my cursor? Can you see this? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So what I want to point out here is these are cross references. Okay. What is CF? Do you know what CF is, bro? I thought that meant cross-reference. Cross yes. Me, me too. I, I did for a while. Actually, this is not a cross-reference. This is, this is like basically means to compare with that. So compare this verse to this verse. Okay. So there's, there's these little, there's, CF shows up every once in a while. Here's another CF, okay? This, this actually, for instance, if we're, if we're looking at Genesis 2.24, 2.24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Okay, this is the verse that Paul quotes in Ephesians 5. Okay, so if I go back to it, this is, so this is 5.31. That is, an, that is a cross-reference, okay? It's the exact same verse. But to compare with, okay, so now you have the bone up here and it says compare with that, okay? So now I'm comparing what it's saying about the bone coming out of him and being built into a, a wife, you know, Eve. 
I'm comparing that with no, loving his, the, the Lord loving his own body, right? No, no one hates his own flesh. So what came out of Adam, if I'm comparing them, what came out of Adam was a piece of himself, okay? And so now, now I'm comparing these two things. Wow, like Eve was actually a piece of him. It, it actually became, uh, became him in life and nature. Okay, so that's, that's, that is a, a comparison type of thing. Something that I like to do is I will, and this is, this is just linking verses. And honestly, um, I really like doing this. Okay. But it's, it's actually how I dig the most is just typing in a word um, and, and just start to start to go. Okay. So I don't know anything about the flesh. Why is the flesh? Okay. Here's a question. The flesh is always bad. I've always heard the flesh being bad, you know, what, what about the flesh before the fall? This is before the fall in Genesis three was the flesh always bad. Is there a good part of the flesh? What kind of flesh is this? So these are, these are types of questions that we need to ask, you know, when I'm reading Genesis, why, why is it that God did not create Eve in the same way he created Adam? why that that would make more sense just from the dust you know just come up you know from, from play okay so this, these are questions that we need to learn to ask sometimes in the bible the bible says stuff and it also doesn't say stuff why is it that every single day it says that it's good except one why is that if we're looking at genesis so there's, there's all these little things. It's, it's not only, you can get light, not only on what the Bible says, but also what it doesn't say. Okay. So these are all things. And then basically you can trace flesh through the whole Bible and start kind of doing a word search on flesh, get into those other apps, those concordances, uh, the vines, vines dictionary, what is the flesh, all those types of things. And then eventually what you'll see is that when the Lord resurrects in, in Luke, he says, look at my bone and flesh. He doesn't say blood. Okay. He doesn't say blood. Because our life source, depend, based on Genesis 9-4, is blood. The life is in the blood. But the Lord, when he resurrects, doesn't have blood. Because his life source is not blood. His life source is the spirit. So he's just flesh and bone when he resurrects, okay? This is the line of flesh and bone. So guess what happens? He resurrects, and now there's bones on the throne, Cassette. There's bones on the throne. But if he had blood, he would have bled to death because he's got holes in his wrists and in his side, right? He doesn't got no blood. So the, the Bible is very exact. You would only find that by doing a word search and you would see that when he resurrects, he's flesh and bone. And that's why when the Lord sees us, we're going to be the same as him. And he's going to say, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The same thing he said to Eve, Adam said to Eve. Okay. This is an example. This is just an example, but I think that's pretty cool. I don't know about you, Cassette. Yeah. Do you think, I think it's that's cool. That's incredible. Okay. I'm shook. 
So, so this is, this is some stuff that we want you guys to dig into. And then you can share that with someone, you know, like, why does it not say flesh and blood? Why does it say flesh and bone? Okay. Nathaniel, please launch the last poll. Okay. So this, uh, I was going to say this sets up the next, the next dive session, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, at least the first three questions do. Okay. So what are you most afraid of in life? Looking stupid when I speak the truth, mm -hmm. feeling ignorant when I speak the truth, saying the wrong thing when I speak the truth, or spiders, snakes, or the opposite gender. <laughs> you know, sometimes people are a little bit bashful.